Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. It's been a really busy few weeks jetting around Europe for some client events um, and it's been great to meet some of the senior teams in tech, energy and manufacturing and trying to get inside the mind of these great businesses. I really love sharing our videos and I think hearing from performers in the Olympics or Cirque du Soleil, the military or even the All Blacks gives people both inspiration and reassurance that other people have been through these challenging times and come out the other side with success. Leading change and reaching ambitious targets is hard, but with the right mindset, it can be both transformational and more enjoyable. I just wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone that subscribed to the show and who's been sharing it. We were up in the number seven slot in the Tanzania charts recently, so I really appreciate you sharing the show so that we can get more people across the world listening. So thanks so much for inviting everyone into our community. So for this week's episode, I've taken a final section of a webinar that I designed and delivered for the Growth Hub. They're a network of sales leaders, and this is the Q&A section hosted by their leader, Steve Lindsay. Let's dive straight into the Q&A where we're talking about the role leaders play in helping their teams to navigate these periods of volatility. In stressful environments of reducing novelty and reducing mm. uncertainty, reducing uncontrollability. And from your experiences, what, what have you seen? What traits have you seen in leaders or um, businesses where they've been able to uh, perhaps provide some examples of where they've been able to adapt that? Because it's all well and good in principle. Yeah, no, but, but when you when you come around to yeah. hitting a monthly target yeah. or, or you're in a, a high performing team, what, what have you seen? Well, I mean, you know, I, I tend to look at these things in extremes. So the worst case scenario is saying I've got a you know million pound target. I'm halfway there. I'm more than halfway through the year. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to get sacked. It's going to be the end of the world. Look at the you know energy crisis. Look at the war. Look at the pandemic. Look at whatever else, and you start to feel like a victim. Now, again, that's complete you know lack of control and lack of accountability. But the champions in that position would say, okay, where am I now? Set themselves a realistic stretch target and say, what do I need to do in terms of behaviours to deliver my best game? Now, if I I never had a problem with not being good enough. Uh, you know, if I played against somebody and they were better than me on the day, no problem. But if I beat myself by the way I was thinking, that's the biggest crime. Mm. So I think the great leaders say, okay, what can we do this week? What are the key behaviors? What are the three key behaviors? So if you break down that pyramid, you might say, well, product knowledge, understanding the client issue, um, having a set of scripts or pricing options for the client are the key deliverables. Have I gone through that and perfected it? And again, Am I learning and iterating and getting better every time I have a sales phone call? If I am, I judge myself on how much I'm improving rather than the money that's in the bank. Because if I look at the money in the bank, that's like, are we winning or losing? And then you get emotional about what this failure means to me. So I think I would get people focusing on daily improvement and the key behaviors. What are the three things that you can do that get you traction towards that goal? So that that's how I would do it. And the best leaders create that positive, calm environment rather than just shouting, we're miles off our target. The world's going to end. There's going to be consequences here because then people just get into that negative loop and actually forget to get on the call, forget to look at the market data, forget to ask the client questions and they go into desperation mode, which we know doesn't work. So, yeah. 
I think, and I think Tammy um, Erickson, she, she hit the nail on the head there about um, accepting change and accepting sure. the fact that you need adaptability there. Now, using that and also building on what you what you've just shared with us, what what comes first from a leader? Would you say it's like the language they use, or should it be like the, the process they put in place, or is there something something else? Well, what comes know, first? Leaders lead. Leaders do it first. You know, they don't talk it first. They do it first. So I think if you see your leader is researching different technologies or trying to partner with different organisations or asking for advice and feedback on how they're doing it. Then, then they're role modeling the culture that they want. Anyone can stand and put on a flip chart. We need to be more, have a growth mindset and learn more. But then if they're constantly doing what they've always done, that's not going to work. So I think role modeling is the most powerful thing, um, but clearly the, the language we use. And again, one of Tammy's other insights is she says, stop the word change because it actually creates a defensive mindset. Uh, what we should talk about is this experimentation. You know, what are you experimenting with? What are you trialing at the moment? And just these different ways of approaching a sales conversation or about building some technology and watching how the users interact with it. Ultimately, they'll tell us whether it's a success. So we've got to throw it out and have that open mindset and be much more dynamic and, and much faster with it. Yeah. And and that actually leads on to a really good question that's coming from, from Carly. Um, and Carly says, how would you approach a member of staff that has a very fixed mindset? They do what they've always done and they seem unwilling to change. Yeah, well, it's a great question. And I think often people are unwilling to change because they don't know if their self-esteem and reputation will last on the other side of the change. I used to use this software brilliantly. I'm very happy using this software. Now you're making me make, do this thing with funny buttons and a different screen layout. I don't know if I can do that. And I don't want people laughing at me. Uh, so I'm going to stay using the old one. And then someone unplugs the old one and now they go into a hissy fit. So, so it's about trying to support them about their concerns about their self-esteem and their reputation and create a safe environment for them to experiment but what I'd also do is look for examples of them as a person, because you could say, well, Elon Musk changes every day, you know, and and, and that that's OK, whether you like Elon Musk or not. Uh, but but it's distant. Whereas if we go back into somebody else's own timeline, that becomes really powerful and tangible because you could say, well, hang on a minute. Are you the person that's moved two countries in the last three years? Are you the person that's worked in four different organizations and learned a different language? That's that's much more seismic change than what I'm asking you to do with this software. So you are capable of change, but just in this very narrow opportunity, you're worried about the consequences of something not working. So let's talk about that and create an environment. So we are built to change. We're built to adapt. Our cells change every 30 days or something. So that that is our DNA. But, you know, it's about getting them comfortable with that through their, through their own examples of change, I think. And nicely follows on to a question coming from Karen. Um, she's a new leader within a new team. And Karen has actually advised, asked for your advice and in how you would introduce yourself and how you can start building trust, confidence and openness. Yeah, brilliant. Um, role modeling again, um, having a, a, you know, a, a, an opportunity to, to share your authentic story, you know, um, maybe get one of the team to interview you about your career and what you like and what you don't like. And I think if you, if you can think, what do I want the team to think about me? And you've spoken there about, I want them to trust me. I want them to think I'm open. I want them to, you know, feel they can talk to me. Well, then 
tell them that and tell them stories that exemplify that. Tell them some of your failures. We often think we've got to be this perfect bronze statue of iconic leadership. And it's actually the opposite, because if people think you're perfect, they've still got that negative voice in the head that's saying, I don't think I can do that, but she's amazing. And then they won't approach you. So I think part of it is actually being authentic and say, look, through my career, I've had these amazing experiences. I've worked with these amazing brands. These are the things that I've developed, but I've also made these two or three big mistakes and I don't want you to make them. And I just want you to know how I reacted in those situations because you might need to catch me on some of them again if they repeat themselves. So all of a sudden, this person seems like a human. All of a sudden, this person seems like they're approachable and they're fallible. And all of a sudden, I want to work with this person because they're approachable, you know, and they engage me. So I think part of it is setting the vision about where you can take the team, almost like you're taking them up the mountain to a better view and, you know, better pastures and more fertile land. There's got to be something that's better about the trek that you're going to take them on because it's going to be hard to grab your bags and up the tents and get up the mountain. So I think create that inspirational vision, but, but say that we're going to do it together. We're going to learn together. We're going to fail together, but I'm going to be all of those things as we set, you know, set off and, you know, let's go. Yeah. And there was a great bit of learning from Baroness Campbell, where she was, she spoke about becoming a questioning coach. Yeah. And, and that, that sums it up essentially, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we had, we had another insight in our video library, Gary Kirsten, who coached India at cricket and he was sitting in South Africa, his home land, Cape town. And he was writing the strategy for India to win the world cup. He flew into Bombay uh, and uh, off he went to give this big speech about how India are going to win the World Cup. And Sachi Tendulkar, uh, you know, this legendary, iconic figure said, don't you want to ask us what we think? Uh, you know, and it's this idea that I'm coaching in a massive organisation. I've got to be right. I've got to have the answer. You actually don't. You've got to make it right for this team at this time in this moment. So you really need to do that detective work and that diagnostic work as well to say, you know, I've got some really strong ideas about where I think we can go. It's so exciting. But before we start that, I just want to get a sense for you about what's worked, what hasn't worked. Sue Campbell in one of her videos has got a great question. What do you do? What could you do? And what stops you from doing it? And again, you're starting to pick out, you know, what's the capability? What's the creativity? What's the ambition of these people that I'm going to work mm. with? Um, and then what do you uh, what stops you from doing it? You know, and they might have an inherited belief about, oh, well, there was no budget for that or that was, you know, never allowed under the old boss, but it might be under you. So I think part of it is unlocking this potential in the team as well and then making sure we can design the strategy to fit both the current culture, but we need to move them 10% up. There's no point saying, right, we're going over there and everything has to change straight away. That's really blunt and direct and there'll be casualties in that. So very often it's more of a subtle approach to get the traction and then once you've got the motivation and alignment, you you start to ramp up the accountability and, and the speed. And, and is that balance you spoke about between directive and non-directive? And and again, how how would how can you get that balance? Because it's all well and good being the questioning coach and being very open, but at the end of the day, if you you've got bills to pay, you've got targets to hit, you've got your payroll to cover, all, all these different things, you need to have that balance where you do need to perhaps step in as a lead to say, right, this is a line. Well, I, I think we can all recognise that we will all be 10 times more motivated if we want to do the thing rather than we have to do the thing. So that tells us that we've got to unlock something in each of the individuals in our team and what motivates them. 
Now, in the sales environment specifically, you need people who are pretty self-motivated and driven. Clearly, if those people aren't, then they might not be the right, you know, um, people in the team. But I don't think it is about shouting more. And that just shows that the pressure is affecting the leader. I think it's about listening more and being more of a detective because that's that's the way to unlock people's potential. And, um, you know, when you get that, things really speed up and then you get the momentum, then you get the internal competition and you're away. But if it's the leader, it's like the football manager that has to win on Saturday. You can feel that stress and that comes across. The training isn't very good. And then guess what? They don't win on Saturday and the manager gets sacked. So create a learning culture, create a developmental supportive environment that has strict accountabilities and expectations and you're much more likely to achieve it. That's oh, on. Um, Kieran's come in with a question and said, because you've, you've clearly impacted a number of teams, individuals through your work post cricket career. Is there someone who had a significant impact on your life or your career, whether it be during cricket or after cricket? And what was that life lesson? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I guess my my dad, you know, my dad's been a brilliant uh, role model through the years. You know, he's in his 80s now, but remains a huge inspiration just ethically and the way he built long-term partnerships. You know, he worked internationally and um, worked in a big engineering company. And, and I think the stories that he came back with about how he was trying to, you know, resolve conflict and do the right thing and think long-term, I think has had a huge impact but then I've been so fortunate to play with some of the best people in the world. You know, I was very close friends with Shane Warne, you know, the legendary cricketer, uh, and we miss him greatly. But what I learned from him was his, he had a sort of catchphrase about find a way, you know, there's, there's always a way to win. There's always a way to get around it. And his ability and his tenacity to win ugly or find a way to be successful was remarkable, really. And he proved so many people wrong. So I think in a way, through my own curiosity and, and you know, insecurities or whatever, trying to find the answer to these questions about how people think, how people lead, how people create this high performance culture. I've actually designed my dream business, uh, you know, which is going to interview these incredible people and, and find out how they do it. And what I have learned is that we should we should put these people on a pedestal, but not for what you think it is. We often think it's their raw talent or their natural ability, but I actually find it quite offensive when the commentators say that this girl is an amazing swimmer. You know, she's so talented and, and that is true. She has athletic capability, but so do thousands of people. But who else would get up at four or five o'clock in the morning every day for six years to open the swimming pool on a frosty morning and still swim when their body's tired? that isn't natural talent that's discipline and focus and determination and i think for any of us that's the inspirational part i guess that you know whatever talent intelligence or athleticism we've got we can double our output by investing in our mindset and our commitment and our discipline and when we do that across our teams it has absolutely transformational impact because i've seen it myself those two pictures, one game, I was thinking so much about what the newspapers would write to slam me the next day. I forgot to watch the ball and I lost the game for England. In the next match that was at Edgebaston, I was thinking so calmly about my balance and just getting into a good position to respond that I played one of the best shots of my life and got carried off by the team sprayed in champagne. I hardly remember the moment because I, it almost wasn't me in it. 
But when we get so conscious about what this means to me, what this failure might do to me, my reputation. So on the one hand, we've got Instagram telling us we have to be this thing, this iconic, polished person. But actually, our best performance comes from relaxing and learning and experimenting and failing and getting back up and going for it. And and it's a fascinating balance, but one that I uh, will continue to explore until I find the the answer. Maybe there isn't one. And that's that's the point. And I think what you, what you shared there was was spot on in the sense that there's only so much we can do in the moment. I mean, of course, there's going to be certain, but it's about um, what they say about um, basically over over practicing just for it to become your process, your daily routine, whereby you do shut everything else. So when you're in that moment, it's just it's just another day. Um, the, the, the disciplines of making things habitual is absolutely a part of it. But I think more than ever now, you know, the robots are going to come and take half the jobs and the other half of the jobs are going to be us being more human. So, you know, if somebody is on a conversation, if somebody is on a sales call, there's nothing worse than reading a script. You know, you've got to connect and you've got to listen, because if you're fully engaged in that conversation, whether it's with a friend, a partner or somebody you're trying to influence in a business context, you will find the answer. Whereas if you're so blocked out by the outcome of having to sell or having to get through this script, there's no chance because the connection won't be there. So, yeah, be be humble, you know, be courageous, but fail and learn and connect. That, that would be the most important thing that I could say, really. And um, have a think about how you think, because our mindset is completely transformational. So I hope you found that episode useful with some useful nuggets in the Q&A, especially if you're from the sales world. Just like an athlete trying to deliver under pressure, it's all about staying calm and trusting those brilliant basics, one call at a time, one day at a time. If you're a sports fan, especially cricket, then come over to my LinkedIn account and follow the post there. You'll see that I've recently posted some of the seven or eight minute features that I made with BT Sport. And that's all about the mindset that goes on in the ashes. So between balls for the batsmen, you know, what the bowlers are thinking, how people handle pressure. So there's some brilliant match footage in there, which will teach you all about the inner game of cricket. So just type in Jeremy Snape LinkedIn and you'll be able to get to those videos. As ever, thanks for listening. And if you need some support with your business, whether it's a keynote speech or some digital content to spice up your internal comms or meetings then just drop me a note through to hello at sportingedge.com and I'll be straight back to you. I'm working on a big celebrity episode at the moment so please do subscribe and then you'll be one of the first to hear it when that one's released. Take care and I'll see you soon.